Please hold for Armchair Adventurer. That's not the kind of podcast we are. The mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this time. Goodbye. Well, Paul, unbelievably, just like the Billy Joel song, it's 9 o'clock on a Saturday. Um, it's just you and I, a little short, shorter episode probably. How you feeling? How's the Saturday uh, treating you? Uh, pretty good. It's another beautiful Montana day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan is gone. Still dead from Thank coronavirus. God. I am now well from my eternal sickness. Yeah, sorry for um, jumping the gun on that, on the diagnosis, but uh, <laughs> it turns out you didn't die. Yes, miraculous recovery. Fantastic. Uh, well, let's see. I, I stumbled upon this topic mere hours ago. I was I was originally going to do something else, but there wasn't really. I was going to do like, have you seen that uh, that fire in like Turkmenistan or whatever that's just burning constantly? You have, you got to be kidding me. What's up? Like ten minutes before you came on, I was looking at that very same thing. That's unbelievable. The, the uh, I just had it up. The the Vaza gas crater. Yeah, that's crazy. That's unbelievable. So, Maybe that's what we could do next week because that, I like that would this. work if we did another one. Which we, Greg wants to do another one where we all bring something, you know? Oh, okay, that'd be a good one for that. I like the theme of uh, gates to hell. Mm-hmm. I know, and that's exactly <laughs> what I was trying to parlay it into. I was thinking, like, is there other? Yes. I was on the Wikipedia page for gates to hell. Um, maybe you found so yourself there. Uh, a couple other things of that one, which of course we're very much introing next episode now but uh there's just several places where like hey there's this fire it's been burning for six thousand years yeah um (laughs) yeah no one knows what to do it's like you can't you shouldn't stop it at that point right if it's been going for that's so long yeah i mean as long as it's not hurting anyone yeah i think uh should be good to go do you okay so once i saw a short okay nope never mind we'll save it (laughs) i was gonna start asking you actual questions about it okay Um, Oh, no. So this is the Eastern State Penitentiary, and it's old. It was used for a long time. It was used for like 120 years. Uh, no, a little longer than that, I think. 1829 to 1970. So I guess like okay. 100, 150 years-ish. Yeah. Ish. But it is a very stark-looking prison because even though it wasn't when it was built, like looking at it now, it's basically a gothic architecture castle in the middle of a normal ass neighborhood in philadelphia yeah castle is definitely a good way to put it it sticks out pretty bad and it was designed to it was designed intentionally to look scary to ward off like to to kind of be like oh i don't want to end up there you know if you look at it but it was a very important i I learned a lot more about the history of the prison system than i thought i would because it's never something that's occurred to me like how prisons were in the beginning of the country but uh not only not only the way this prison functioned the overall design which if you're looking at it especially when it started it was like a guard tower in the very center and then like spokes of a wheel coming off of it were the cell blocks that design was copied by over 300 prisons across the world uh, because it worked so well but 
basically the way prisons were mostly at the time that it was made in 1829, they were run in a school of thought called the Auburn system. And that's, it's kind of like what cart or what prisons are like in cartoons, like old cartoons. Imagine <sighs> people chained together in a line, smashing rocks and stuff like that. Oh yes. So it was, you would do hard labor all day in complete silence. Nobody was allowed to talk to each other. You do hard labor all day. And then, uh, once you got back to the prison, you would be alone. It'd be solitary. And that was kind of some people, you know, as time goes on, it seems people kind of wake up to inhumane treatment. Um, and that really started to sour the moods of some people, specifically the Quakers, if you believe it. Huh. You don't say. And uh, a group of predominantly Quaker men came together in 1787 called the Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons. A little bit of a mouthful. And they believed that crime was the result of the environment that the perpetrator grew up in, and that solitude will make the criminal regretful and penitent, which is uh, why they coined the term penitentiary for this uh, eastern state penitentiary. It was supposed to, you were supposed to reflect on your crimes, and kind of um, they hoped that would rehabilitate better than forced labor. So, instead of rehabilitation, it ultimately gave them mental illness <laughs> exactly by being alone right. for hours and hours Big and hours. Time. The, the meeting where this idea was actually schemed up took place in Benjamin Franklin's house. Benjamin Franklin was a member of the PSAMPP. Which actor. is? <laughs> the Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons. Wow, okay. I would... How could I have not a guest? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you look at it from a comparative level, the cell conditions were pretty optimal compared to other prisons in the 1820s. And, oh yeah, and so they accomplished that because, believe it or not, when it was built, this was the largest public works uh, venture that had ever been conducted in the country. I was going to say... These things are pretty massive. <laughs> yeah, it cost $800,000 when it was made, which I used an inflation calculator, but I should say going back before like the 1910s, inflation calculators can get it's 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 voodoo at that point basically trying to adjust, but that calculator said that's about $22 million today. Hmm. Now, of course, I imagine building a, an actual state penitentiary now probably costs a bit more than that. But yeah, because you, know. you gotta think back then it's just raw material. Yeah, like, this was that's almost entirely all, concrete. All concrete. Yeah, like no technology, just concrete, metal, and a couple of keys. <laughs> a couple of keys. <laughs> Two keys. Yeah. <laughs> one for the warden and one for the guard. <laughs> um. So this this money that was put into it it. It made it a little lavish, and I sh again, for the time. Um, in this system, they were fed three hearty meals a day, usually like meat and potatoes, unlimited potatoes. By the way, you could have as many potatoes Whoa, as you wanted. Whoa, mm -hmm. I am down, big time. <laughs> uh, flush toilets. Now, they were only flushed twice a week, but keep in mind that at this time. 
the president of the country was still shitting in a chamber pot. So, not bad for prisoners. Hot water would flow through exposed piping in the winter to kind of warm the cells. The warden visited each prisoner every day, and overseers visited the prisoners three times per day. The cell setup was kind of nice because, like, you had your cell, and then directly attached to it was your own personal exercise area right outside, a little pavilion for you. Really? And um, each prisoner had a skylight. In the original cell blocks, this is, each prisoner had a skylight, a glass skylight, and they were all given a Bible. So you're supposed to read the Bible, look up at God, think about what you did. But like I'm sure uh, you guessed, Paul, the it didn't work out as great as they hoped. Um, <laughs> they really took the solitary thing serious. Um, it was 100% solitary. You weren't allowed to speak to the guards, or any, you didn't even get a chance to speak to other prisoners. Uh, all of the exercise areas were surrounded with high walls, and no two adjacent cells would ever be exercising at the same time. If you ever were taken out of your cell, they put a hood over your head, so you didn't know where you were going or you wouldn't see anybody else. Gulag uh, style. Like yeah, it. the guards all wore felt-bottom shoes so that it, you, the footsteps were silent because the prison was supposed to be basically silent at all times. And yeah, it, it started to make people... Uh, lose their noggin a little bit. So Charles Dickens, the famed writer, perhaps you've heard of him, visited the prison in 1842. And on his trip he wrote, The system here is rigid, strict, and hopeless solitary confinement. I believe it, in its effects, to be cruel and wrong. I hold this slow and daily tampering with the mysteries of the brain to be immeasurably worse than any torture of the body. Do you agree with that? Uh, yes. The Solid mind is, a, pretty, mind pretty is lame. a very dangerous, dangerous thing. Yeah, I start to... If I don't listen to stuff at work, I, I lose my mind, I think. My mind moves, starts moving way too quickly if I'm left alone with it for too long. Yeah, because you just need that human interaction. Yeah. You know, even if it's just listening to music or a podcast or something just to know that humans still exist (laughs) (laughs) that i'm not alone in a cold dead cooler (laughs) that's where like whole zombie apocalypse thing comes into play it's like everyone thinks they could totally make it and how fun it would be but in like an i am legend situation kind of exactly like that but that would just be miserable at some point just because you're all alone yeah um now on paper they had this idea of how the prison should be run but by 1834 five years after it opened there were already investigations into both the finances and punishment practices at the prison and it wasn't the there was a series of investigations and over the years and one of them turned up that guards had actually been subjecting prisoners to pretty unfortunate treatment such as uh, take them outside during the winter and douse them in water or uh, strap them to chairs for days at a time speaking of being doused in water in the cold do you remember that one time driving back from uh, 
Dirk Deem space class. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> and I pulled away too quickly while you're drinking your water, and you absolutely... I like sp- spilled so much water out of that thing. It's really surprising how much water came out. I think you hit me in the shoulder so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was cold as hell, dude. <laughs> so I can only imagine how they felt in comparison. How yeah, the full felt. body treatment. Yeah. Because that, that makes the short list of worst days of the past decade for me. And uh, oh. that was just a spill. So. Wow. That's amazing that I am a sole contributor to that. <laughs> yeah. One one of the other ones is that float trip, so you really haunt my oh, actually, memories, yeah. Paul. Right. Um, also, this this is fun, and this had to be later. I really struggled to. I didn't want to pour into library tomes of uh, books about the history of this place, but after Cell Block fourteen was built, so I'm going to guess that that's in like the 1930s. They dug a giant pit underneath Cell Block fourteen that they called the hole. And if you were particularly bad, they would throw you in there. Uh, No light, no human contact, and very little food for up to two weeks. Whoa. That sounds fucking lame. Um, Yeah, like no light. No light. Just waking. You would lose all sense of time. You would just... Well, just imagine after the two weeks, like, like coming out of the hole and seeing the sun. Be sensory overload. I was gonna say, like, I feel like the the migraine the migraine you would get from that would be Im- immense. It'd be so scary to just wake up and not be able to see anything, just pitch black. Yeah. And of course, on top of all this, the prison was just growing way too quickly because they kept adding on cell blocks, and as they were adding more and more cell blocks, they also started to make them, you know two three stories instead of one so they couldn't do skylights anymore they just had narrow slit windows and the prison was only designed to hold like 250 people and by the 30s and 40s it was holding over like 1500 and so eventually they just had to abandon the solitary thing and by 1913 it became more 1913 is when the legislation officially stopped or not the legislation but the um you know like council that oversaw the prison decided to ditch that whole idea and they transitioned into a more traditional what we know today the new york system of prison where everybody would like eat together and um you know you could talk which is nice although what's interesting i did see is that at this time like regardless of your crime it was like two-year sentences it would just be like you'd spend two years there for whether it be murder or, like, stealing from a store, which huh. seems archaic. That's it? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there was exceptions to that in, you know, extreme cases. But also, like, people weren't really getting caught for, you know, like, there weren't, like, mass murderers as much as I feel like there are now. Because when did they even start, like, have you ever seen, have you ever seen the show Mindhunter? Uh, yes, the first season. Right, so when was that that they kind of came up with the idea of serial killers? Was that the 60s, 70s? I would say so. Probably the 60s. So either this wasn't really happening that much back then or people were getting caught a whole lot less. Yeah, they're probably the whole idea of crime was probably very different back then too. Like that's very interesting to hear that like you could steal something, go there for two years, and then you could murder a guy and also go there for only two years. Like there's no like difference between the two 
regarding the severity. But right. Do you um, ever wish uh, we could go back to like a code of Hammurabi style, where instead of the state inflicting the punishment, it'd be like, let's say, uh, let's say you hit and killed somebody's dog, and they took you to court, and then the state was like, "All right, well, you get to kill Paul's dog now." An eye for an eye. I guess I, what I, sh- I should have framed that to you where you were the one that got to do revenge, because I feel like that's the only way you'd ever be in in favor of it. And it was a stupid question because that's a bad system. It shouldn't work. Yeah, like it's that, a bad but. system. I'm in much more favor of single combat. That hey, that, if you do something, there we go. To like someone else's family, then like you have to fight or fight to death or something. That would be spectacular. <laughs> but then, wait, could you also? Game of Thrones style offer up a champion or would it have to be I feel like you need to uh, only if it makes it interesting right <laughs> offer up a champion <laughs> um, would, would you fight for me depends who I'm fighting yeah. <laughs> if I'm fighting yeah, the mountain I'm sorry dude you're on your own yeah you want to keep your skull together in one piece preferably yeah so we're at like the 30s roughly and by this point, the prison's electrical and mechanical systems were falling apart. Although it did say, for whatever reason, the paint and walls were in immaculate condition. And even by 1945, Pennsylvania legislators are saying, it's time to move on. Let's abandon this, you know, 100-year-old prison. But it takes all the way until January of 1970, after a series of riots, the prison finally closed... And all of the prisoners were moved to the new state correctional institution at Greaterford. Now, what do you think they did with the prison after that? Uh, it's such a big area. Mm-hmm. For a while, it was just closed, but um, they turned it into <laughs> cubicles, cubicle offices. <laughs> For about 20 years, they did absolutely nothing with it. I figured. The city of Philadelphia used it to store their street sweepers. Um, a forest began growing inside of it, and the caretaker amassed a horde of stray cats that he was feeding. <laughs> but it, it was untouched until the late 80s. when, And even then, once it got to the 80s, it still was unused, unrepaired. They were just kind of batting it back and forth between the state and the city to try to figure out who should have to take care of it. And it wasn't until 1994 that they finally just opened it up, as is, by the way, as a museum. Uh, it's oh, improved in condition since, but when it opened, you had to wear a hard hat and you had to sign a waiver to go in because it was just really? they just opened the doors to this uh, dilapidated centuries-old building. So, so was it like falling apart in that sense? That you had to yeah. wear a hard hat. I guess so. That's you crazy. know, <laughs> stuff falling from the ceiling. I mean, can you imagine? Sorry to another personal anecdote, but you remember was it uh, like Tom's dad or something was talking about when he went to Iowa State and the other two when Knapp yep. and Storm were still up, ce- ceiling was just crumbling. Uh, like the building was at an angle. Yeah. Like you could put a marble at one end and roll all the way down. Could you? Like, I would not be cool with having to attend I, college for a whole year in a building like that. I think I'd have to sleep in my car. Yeah, like, if the ceiling just is for my falling own safety. down. Yeah. And you're clearly, the building is starting to list a little bit. Like, what, are you kidding? Yes. Can you imagine if it actually did? 
Oh man, whole school would be shut down if they by neglect murdered all of those students. Yeah, if it happened at like night, everybody was asleep. Just you know, quick math: how many people live? What do you think? Like four hundred people per building. Well, how many were per floor? Like fifty. I guess so, right? Ten floors. Ten floors, five hundred people per. Oof, that's a huge so, loss of life. <laughs> yeah, but I'm well, surprised it's a good thing they that didn't, didn't happen. Yeah, they, okay, yeah. Knock on wood, never will happen to current towers that are still there. But um, back on the prison, I'm surprised they didn't like tear it down. Like I know it's straight like concrete castle. Yeah, but just to kind of repurpose the land because it's a big area it is a big area it's probably worth a lot of money it, yeah well in in the middle of like so it's in philadelphia right i mean mm-hmm. it's in the middle of the city it's in the city proper yeah so they could have reused it as something better but well i'll tell you one of the reasons it is it kind of works that they didn't is the museum is you know of course just like a here's what prisons were like museum but also it is a huge the prison sorry museum a large part of it is dedicated to pointing out what is still wrong with uh the like prison system in this country Mm. so for instance on the the baseball diamond that the prison has sick um they have a giant monument called the big graph it looks like a bar graph made three-dimensional made out of metal and depending on which angle you're looking at it from it dis- it displays three different st- statistics so if you're looking at it from the south it illustrates the unprecedented growth in u.s incarceration rates since 1900 from the north is the racial breakdown of the american prison population in 1970 and today and from the east, it charts every nation in the world, both by rate of incarceration and by policies around capital punishment. So, <clears throat> my final question for you, Paul. Tell me everything you can about what is wrong with the U.S. prison system and what needs to change. <laughs> you have Ooh. 15 seconds. Uh, well, that's a list. Um... 10 seconds. There are just so Three, many freaking prisoners. One. You know what? You got in right at the end and it worked. There <laughs> are just so many freaking prisoners. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So it's it's tough because it's like, how do we relook at crime? Because the people we put in prison are not necessarily innocent people. Mm-hmm. There are some amongst many um, that are put in there against wrong, wrongfully accused is a better word sure um, over sentenced you know absolutely but also we have to relook like I think drug crimes come up as kind of the hot topic for this is certainly you know why is it for some and a lot of it's state driven but why is it some states you know you sell marijuana twice is the same thing as selling heroin once you know mm-hmm. do we really compare the two um you know, or comparing it to like selling drugs to to murder. You know, how do we really compare the two sentences? And then also that of just they're not really being rehabilitated in there. 
It's right. really just... I wouldn't say it's as bad as it was before. I mean, solitary confinement rules have definitely changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost, you know... I, I, don't even know, I don't even know if prisons can do it anymore. Um, I'm sure they can, but I, I, they're really... I know they can because I know there's still some federal supermax that are like 23-1 for 23 hours of the day you're in solitary confinement. But that's for... Not to defend it, but that's for people the likes of like Timothy McVeigh and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, but also people like, you know... I was just perusing Alcatraz now that we're on topic of prisons of just, you know, one of the famous ones for there was um, an inmate murdering other inmates. So it's like, okay, yeah, we kind of have to keep you separate, (laughs) alone, by yourself, because you're just going around murdering everybody. So (laughs) This can become a serious problem if we leave this unchecked. Exactly. And, yeah, so. Yeah, I wasn't even expecting you to answer that question, honestly, so credit to you for doing that. Yeah, top of the hat. But to kind of break through into talking about Alcatraz though yeah I would totally be down to do that I almost in fact before I decided on Eastern State I I had uh, Alcatraz up like just the concept of putting a prison on a separate island yeah is kind of cool it certainly adds to the like uh, like psychological element of being in prison that you have to go on a boat just to get to, like, yeah, yeah this is where I'm going to be for the next 20-some years or whatever. Yeah, and my understanding is the, like, San Francisco Bay is fairly treacherous waters, I think. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, that's not like you can't just make a make a run out of there, even if you manage to, you know, hop the fence. That's just the beginning of your problems. Exactly. Well, apparently it was 36 prisoners made 14 escape attempts. Ooh. And only two men trying twice. 23 were caught, six were shot and killed during their escape, two drowned, and five are listed as missing and presumed drowned. Wow. Um, yes. And then, obviously, what makes Alcatraz famous as well is the June 1962 escape attempt. Right. Of, let's see, Frank Morris, John Anglin, and Clarence Anglin. So brothers. Ooh. Um, and I believe they have not been caught, or I believe that case is still technically open. Yeah, or cold, nor at least. bodies found, right? No, yeah, exactly. So they presume that they fled to Brazil after the escape. So, oh, real quick backtrack. Since we're on Alcatraz, um, Al Capone did stay at the Eastern State Penitentiary for nine months, and it's kind of funny there was a picture of his cell and it was so much better <laughs> he had like a, <laughs> is it like like, a letter writing desk and is uh, it like goodfellas do you remember the movie a little goodfellas? bit yeah it was kind of a situation like he had like a desk lamp and paintings and a radio they're making fucking spaghetti in there yeah cut, slicing up garlic cut garlic yeah <laughs> um here's something fun i'm on the wikipedia page for alcatraz and it's listing some of the famous notorious criminals that have stayed there. Namesake I didn't know existed, George Machine Gun Kelly. What do you think of that? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that was, uh, I guess it makes sense that that's, you know, he got his name from. It explains why the name Machine Gun is in his name as a rapper, but. 
Yeah. Well, his name isn't even Kelly, so I think he just saw he that. Just, just stripped that name straight from uh, this guy. Just straight from that guy. I remember when Machine MGK was like just coming out, and it's like, where have I heard that before? Isn't Back he in the old? Freakishly tall. Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. Yes, and like skinny. Ugh. He's like skin and bones, but like six seven or something crazy. Yuck. Okay. Well. He said out of jealousy. <laughs> oh, yikes. Oh. But also about Alcatraz 2, which makes a lot more sense. And I wonder about this with the other um, kind of those older prisons as well is it used to be uh, owned by the army. Uh, it was a fort since the, uh, the, excuse me, the 1850s. And then for only two years, they kind of rebuilt it up into the kind of more of the prison system. Uh-huh. Um, and it was an army military prison for a little bit and then obviously handed over to um, the Department of Justice. But Wow. But, like, I wonder about that, too, is, you know, you look at these old prisons, like, they look like forts, you know. Yeah. The Eastern State Penitentiary looks like a castle. Certainly, it could be yeah. a fort. So I Except find that to keep to keep in rather than out. Uh, you know, kind of does the same thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's still a large, wall, you know. Large, yeah, large brick walls do the same thing. How long was Alcatraz open as a prison? Oh, um, it was only like thirty, yeah, thirty years, tw- wow. twenty nine years. Yeah, it's actually really short. It was opened in nineteen thirty four and closed in nineteen sixty three. Was it? Do you have any idea? Was it just hard to maintain, or? Well, they just had so many freaking problems too. Yeah, like. The the criminals they're putting in there are some of the most notorious, like, worst criminals. Um, and, like, a lot with the handover, too. The fact that it was on an island separate from mainland made it hard because you're over there for a period of time. Like, right. can you imagine going there every single day? Yeah. And the fact that it's on an island, too, they actually had the Coast Guard and Marine Corps uh, assist with some, like, matters. Hell like, yeah. I know... Like one of the escapees, they talk about them. Uh, the Marines actually assisted in like trying to track this guy down, and the Marines actually shot and killed him. So, oh, goodness, you know, it's <laughs> it's kind of part of that. But also, you know, if that happened this day and age, of why is the Marine Corps running a civilian prison? That's kind of uh, yeah, fair point. That's kind of not not okay. We saw what they did in Abu Ghraib or whatever. You know, <laughs> yes. Um, in the like minor research I've been doing, talking that Abu Ghraib actually came up. <laughs> yeah. Um, touchy subject. <laughs> well, and all you know, I'm sure this has been the plot of more than a few uh, lame action movies. But if the prisoners took control of the island, that'd be a pretty pretty scary situation to have to deal with. Because an island, by very nature, pretty defensible location. Oh yeah. You know the attackers are at a. A huge disadvantage. Let's, uh, I'm gonna drop a, a movie on you. <laughs> you ever see The Rock? You know, I haven't. With, uh, Nicolas Cage? <laughs> so does, does it have Connery also? Yes. Now, what's, uh, for Ludites like my, that's not, sorry for saying that. <laughs> uh, what, people like me who have not seen The Rock, could you give me a quick rundown of the plot of the movie? Is it exactly what I. 
kinda, but more of way more military. Okay. <laughs> I think it's basically like SEAL Team Six or whatever goes rogue and takes over Alcatraz. That is like, because Alcatraz is like it's a museum nowadays. I think yeah. you can take tours and whatnot. They basically take over the island and they try to launch these like bio weapons on San you know Francisco. What? It's amazing. I just made the connection that they were. I didn't even like catch the name of the movie. I was watching a documentary the other day, an incredible documentary called Hypernormalization that I recommend to everyone. And they brought up that evidence that was listed in, it might have been, it was either Syria or Iraq. There was like a CIA report on the kinds of weapons of mass destruction they had. And they more than likely falsified because they just described exactly the weapon the like sarin gas thing that was in the rock the like glass orbs filled with the nerve agent they just described that exactly which is not even possible apparently imagine if it came out that they all they did was take the movie script yeah and then just change the name (laughs) yeah like yeah this is written by the cia (laughs) what's nicholas cage doing in syria (laughs) no missed one (laughs) oh yeah to change that name (laughs) um yeah We've really been jumping around a lot, but I've got a kind of hypothetical. Imagine you are Plato, perhaps Socrates, and um, I'm a student, and you're describing a hypothetical example of the best possible uh, penal system, if you will. What is your Atlantis of prisons? What what do you think would be the best way to... um, punish or otherwise rehabilitate prisoners and i know that's a big question please take your time yeah that is a really big question because like i think that all comes with the system of who gets put in there to begin with you know right are we talking serial murders you know child rapists or are we talking you know just drug crimes like the because when you look at these serial murders, I don't think anything's going to truly rehabilitate them mm-hmm. to what we, we would consider normal societal standards. But um, I would say I would almost take the whole like school system approach of, you know, you put so many people in one building, one cell block, we'll say, how many guards... <laughs> And how many actual, like, kind of support figures per prisoner are there? Right. You know, because, like, especially back then, I can imagine, you know, it could be just one one dude in charge of 100 people, mm-hmm. you know, and that happens a lot in the prison system because, to be honest, no one really wants to work in the prison system. You know, it's kind of not a glorified job. Right. But I would look at it more as that as... How many, um, I would say more so support agencies, you know, like to kind of keep their day busy because the longer you sit and just think, you know, Uh you're not, you know, it only gets worse. Well, I'm sure the better the ratio is for guards or, you know, otherwise prison staff to the prisoners, there's probably a tipping point where 
you would stop thinking about the prisoners as individuals and more more like the prisoners as a crowd. It kind of becomes its own thing that you an us versus them thing, if that makes sense. Like, if there are too many, too many prisoners, too many prisoners. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's probably similar to the you know classroom discuss classroom size discussion, like you said. But this kind of looked at as numbers, right? Yeah. What if we adopted like a Van Diemen's Land type situation, like Australia, where we just <laughs> moved the prisoners to their own place? <laughs> um, that would be really interesting. Yeah, it'd be cool if we just like turned Greenland. Uh, no yeah, or just like you Greenland. know, hate to say it, Montana or Wyoming into the prison. <laughs> you know, it's just a separate land. It's just one big fence line for the state. Cool think, idea, but probably... I think that's a cool idea if you're talking <laughs> back, like, two, three hundred years. Yeah. Like, before planes, before, you know... Right. Crazy feats of technology, where it's like, yeah, let me just toss you on your own giant continent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Try not to die from alligators and snakes and You'd be so easy. It'd be so much easier to escape from a state-sized prison, you know. They can't monitor all parts of the fence at all times. Correct. That would take an enormous support staff. It would be a very cool, uh, like, <clears throat> Big Brother type situation, though, if they had cameras in there. <sighs> kind of Battle Royale-esque. <laughs> oh, my God. You're absolutely right. What if that was the only way you could get out of prison? Like a, like a Hunger Games, like, mm-hmm. death yes. race mentality? Yes, yes. Oh, gamer. To to ensure that only the strongest and best criminals make it out of prison. (laughs) Yes. They have to murder each other to. Yeah. Only the worst of the worst are getting out. Okay. Yeah. I think think we've maybe shot a few holes in that idea (laughs) about why that might not work. Hey. (laughs) Don't mock it till you try it. Yeah. Uh, Do you you got anything else on prisons that we can eke out of this to pad the time a little bit? Um, not necessarily. I do have a request for outro music, though. Mm-hmm. And it has to be Folsom Prison Blues oh, by sure. Johnny Cash. No problem. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. <laughs> I hear the train a coming, it's rolling around a bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps rolling On down to San Antonio When I was just a baby My mama told me, son Always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns. But I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die.